Welcome to the Candle Tales podcast. We are breathing life back into Irish myth with traditional storytelling accompanied by music. Now, this episode is the post-show chat of Conoram War, where things got spooky and scary, and we'll be hearing the live-streamed chat that we had on YouTube. We live-stream these conversations on YouTube on Sundays at 7pm Irish time to chat about the myths and all the things around it. So join in the conversation if you like. My name is Aaron Hegarty, one of the co-founders, and be sure to stay tuned to the end of the podcast to hear our latest news and hear a sneak peek of next week's story. As always, our episodes are brought to you because of the patronage we have on patreon.com forward slash candletales. If you'd like to help us, you can just share, subscribe or leave a review if you like what we do. It all helps us grow this podcast. It all makes a difference and the links and description are below this podcast. And next up is the chats about the Conor Moore. If you haven't listened to that podcast, go back and listen to it. You. Definitely. All right. Well, hello and welcome. Uh, we are with Oshin today. Yes, we are live. All right, then. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, are you winding me up or not? Welcome and welcome to Candle Tales podcast, talking about Conor Moore. So we have Oshin with us, who's the tech wizard of Candle Tales podcasts. And Oshin jumped in on a few videos, uh, sorry, voices for this podcast. Uh, thanks for those. Love the King, the Bird King, and the random uh, creepy Irish voice that you did with one of the other characters. How would you get on with um, doing all these podcasts for the two of us? We're always doing it and giving you little stories, and you do loads of stuff. Half the time, I'm not really aware of what you do. So, want to give us a little talk through what you do? Well, it's great fun. We get a story. Nice. I listen to a story. Listen to the story again. Usually, listen to the story two or three times, so they have to kind of the gist of the story, and I know what way it was told. And on the second or third time I listen to the story, I just start kind of noodling away with whatever instrument I just hear, because I usually hear music in my head from the story. It's not like I'm like, oh, I'm going to play these chords now. Or I listen to the story, and then I'll hear, automatically hear something in my head, and then I'm just going to go, oh, I'll make that louder. Uh, and then kind of pick up whatever instrument would make that noise. Mm-hmm. Mostly guitar, uh, just because that's the one I'm the most comfortable with. Although we did that cool festival in the van, so we did. A, we, oh, so we mentioned festival in the van in a minute, right? Because yeah. I think the, the music in Canada Tales has changed a lot, hasn't it, Zorga? Like since we started with the whole company five years ago, or the whole attempt to just do these stories uh, to to live audiences. And we started with just one musician, then two. Mm-hmm. Gradually built and it used well, to be like, musically. I think there was an interesting evolution because initially Rue came along, uh, and he had done some kind of accompanying of spoken word poetry and stuff like that. So he came along and was mostly playing mandolin. And then we got another musician in, uh, Dara, uh, because Rue had to leave early. And I remember because it was the time you told the story of um, the dream of Angus Og. Yeah, and yeah. Dara was playing on guitar and Rue was meant to leave, but Rue got his mandolin out and came back and started playing along with Dara. And it was one of those like little bits of magic where we were both like, oh, wow, this is taking it to a different level. And then it was during the, the, the time that we were kind of experimenting with theatrical stuff, particularly the Dream of Ethlin and the Shadows of the Tawn that Oshin joined, along with a lot of, a lot of other people. Um, who kind of came along for longer and shorter periods of time. But we also found out that Oshin has um, 
a massive skill set in all kinds of things beyond music, which so, is it's amazing. kind of so funny. One of the things I've wanted to talk about is like how we tra transition from a live storytelling group. And as an actor, I was doing acting jobs or live performances, and then jumping into this to go, oh yeah, the live uh, musical entertainment as well as the kind of improv style, as well as the drama, as well as the Irish myths and everything in it. And your work previously had just basically given all you all this knowledge as me and everyone else was kind of learning them with you. And we were learning the stories that we, as we kind of told them. And to go from a live group that were learning them, retelling them, re learning how to tell them as well, and doing dance show, Dream uh, of Ethelin, and the Shadows of the Thorn, with shadow puppetry and stuff like that, to heighten it. Having live music with, it, with one of the things that like, helped us get on a flow with things. But one of the things you did, Oshin, was bring a bass line in. Oh, yeah. Explain <laughs> <laughs> right. to people why we really, really, really needed that. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, well, basically, <laughs> at the start of the rehearsals, everybody was kind of a bit chaotic and slightly out of step. And I kind of I heard everything, and I listened. I heard I heard what was being played and everything. And I, I was originally going to play the Kid Lady because Aaron said, "Oh, that, that sounds lovely." The mini harp, you know, I think the, the nylon string was great, mm -hmm. but. It wasn't needed because that whole sonic area was already full of other instrumentation. So I, I always think about um, you had the fiddle there, you had the yeah. manos and, and uh, lead guitar as well was filling up that area. So that was yeah, yeah, especially for the podcast because it's 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 vital that you can just you can always hear the story. Mm. So the way that I, I master the podcast is I always dip any of the music or any of the background uh, amb ambience or atmos is always kind of scooped out of the mid-range where the vocals go mm. and it's panned to the left and right. I've got this cool plug-in by Rode that actually lets you put it back and forward as well. So it's, you know, the ambisonic kind of thing. So it's oh, cool. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but even if you're listening in stereo, it just kind of slightly puts the volume down to give the illusion that it's slightly further away mm. and farther out with the voice always kind of hard-centered. And then it's a cheat then if you want to do um, like extra character voices because you just pan them left or right and it gives a much more dynamic sense of space when you're listening to the audio, which mm -hmm. is what I did for the Battle of Entry characters. If there was a bit of dialogue going back and forth, it'd be left, right, left, right, and narration in the middle. Um, well, you jumped ahead into how you, you do the podcast, but it was an interesting transition of like when we went from live shows to mainly doing podcasts and and how the, the you finding that drive uh, along with like you know Ruby being instrument in, instrument in the development of, of our, our musical taste and how we took over things but we got a message recently about uh the story not being at the forefront because we've had to learn that lesson a few times yeah and we messed it up a few times and we've had like too much going on and and, and a message came in on instagram uh saying in one of our previous live shows he couldn't hear it. The music was too loud. I was like, fair enough. We've learned that message. So, sorry for putting it out. Hopefully, we'll, we, we are figuring it out as we go as well, you know, because it's tricky uh, to, to find that. And then, I guess, once we started doing, once you started I, doing the tech of the podcast and stuff. Tech issue. We just have a message in from uh, you and Dog6 saying, I have no sound but Surika. Oh. That oh, ain't no. right. 
Because I can hear you guys. Yeah. Thank you for flagging that with us because we would have kept going, man. Cheers. Um, (laughs) Oh, no. We thought we fixed all the tech issues. Okay, well, Ushin and Aaron were giving us a really interesting kind of rundown of um, how candlelit tales has gone from live performance company to podcast company how Oshin kind of conceives of the music that he puts into the shows and into the podcasts and has a very useful way of seeing it that makes a lot of sense to me in terms of like figuring out where the voices are in terms of sound range and like making sure that the instruments don't interfere with that and he's also playing around with plugins to give a bit more of an ambisonic sound uh, oh, really cool. Uh, how about now? Have we got audio from us? I think there's a slight delay on the live stream yeah. going out. There is a slight delay on the live stream uh, going out. So if you could hear them just there, guys, please write into us in the chat and tell us that it's audible because uh, in terms of monitoring this, we're not quite sure how to do. Well, luckily, uh, we are recording this. So yeah. we'd be able to put it out on the podcast regardless. Um, a little bit of an edit, maybe cut this bit out. Um, well, no, it's okay. As, as Aaron pointed oh, no, no. out. Um, I'll own it. I'll own it. <laughs> I mean, hilarious. Like, he's always giving me the stick about having it, having the tech sorted. Oh, how ironic. <laughs> as Aaron is pointing out and now teasing Oshin about, we will be able to release, you'll be able to hear all that conversation on the podcast because we are actually recording this as we're, as we're doing the uh the live stream as well so bear with us a couple of minutes guys uh hopefully there's sound let us know if there's sound from the guys uh and if not we'll just carry on you guys i guess uh we have a big shout out to mention to festival in the van which we were playing with recently yes. and you would throw all of your learning of the music in candle tales from all of your composition and, and composing of the podcast stuff and adding layers and foley and voices like you did recently mm. you also had the opportunity to live perform once again we had the opportunity to live actual perform. live performance i'm so live. fucking jealous lads i haven't been in a live show since february i haven't <laughs> done a live show since february jesus really yeah that's mad i was the one the one socially distanced show that we were able to do in the harbour bar I was sick for. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, it was the first week of March, wasn't it? No, no it was, it was August. At the end of the first lot of lockdown. Oh, sorry, that one. Yeah. The, end, the end of the first lot of lockdown. Maybe I did. No, I don't think. Did I do a show in March? You must have done a show in March. I think you did. I think we, you did one of the Parnell shows. Uh, and some language skill shows. Do you know what? I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, I'm over-exaggerating. I'm sorry. Before, I haven't uh, done a show since March. Hint. We have shows for hire. Have you uh, heard of it? We have shows for hire. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, we apparently sound good now. Thank you, Ewan. With... Oh, good. Um, thanks, man. What you missed there, you'd be able to listen on um, the podcast when we put it up. Sorry with that. But thanks for listening. And thanks for telling us. We, uh, yeah, we had the opportunity to play with a group called Festival in a Van, who were hired through the Creative uh, Schools Initiative from Dublin Council, Dublin City Council and, and the Arts Council. And it's amazing. And they got fired through some creative associates and we met loads of lovely people and we got to perform at three different schools in North Dublin. Wow, well, that was just, yeah, that was incredible. You see all the little kids coming out, so happy, dancing around the place. 
And then the teacher is so happy dancing around the place. And everything socially distanced. Like, we didn't go near any of the kids. Safe Everybody crap. Was, Hashtag safe crap. Yeah, safe crap. Hashtag like, safe crap. It was so professional. The lads in the van got to the school. Everything set up. We get up. They sterilized everything, wiped it down. We got up. We did our thing. As soon as we got down, we were given disinfectant. Everything was wiped down, broke down, brought to the next school. It was... I really don't see why we couldn't do this for grown-ups now, in fairness. Mm. Well, you yes. know. They, they, they said to us that they were working with the Wileways. The Hordeways. Hort, Wileways. Uh, yeah, there was um, Wileways at the hospice. Yeah, they went to a hospice. And people were just getting up and dancing. And they were blasting music from outside. And people were staying inside. And like, oh, how beautiful is that? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. That, that well, was... this is, that's amazing because I think it's kind of, hopefully, will be something that we can do uh over the next period of time as this whole covid you know situation continues to put the kibosh on you know indoor live shows it's mm. really nice that people and it sounds like that was just so well run from what you guys have talked about it it just seems oh, absolutely seamless yeah. on it but it, it's an invitation to realize that that's like going back to wonderly wagon like it's, it's not yeah. an old thing like you know <laughs> <laughs> actually now we just have to like you know bring things small again you don't have to go and see a fifty thousand massive people at venue thing you can just go to a small thing and it's amazing <laughs> um, and if it's small and intimate it's even more amazing it's lucky yeah. so that should just be happening like culture doesn't necessarily die because you tell people to stop integrating big groups that's you know a causal link that isn't necessarily there at all that people are jumping to and we all we guess we don't have any any crack we're, we're not allowed to have fun we have to stop now that can't be the way we go forward with this whole lockdown thing. I mean, that's tribalism as opposed to culturalism. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to inheriting. Okay. You know, like, yeah, we're all going to electric picnic. Now, how many people at electric picnic enjoy the culture of electric picnic? No. It's not the culture. It's not the music. It's the actual herding of people coming together and congregating and mm. assembling and mingling and it's it's just that yeah, massive amount of people yeah, who are moving around tribal. it's tribaling you know when you also realize what what social animals we are like we are we are you know we are animals that do better in a pack like and sometimes a really big pack like we really oh, yeah. really kind of need it on some level um like it's it's extraordinary to kind of realize that but you know there's also there's other ways of trying to get that connection um and there's other ways of making that connection and i always think that storytelling is such a lovely way uh to bring well, a group a, together into one collective experience um yes, and it's, I, it's lovely it's to to see that there are there are innovations and like people are coming up with ways and like you know, like all the great ideas, it's an old idea. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But it's, it's also just like it's such a nice thing to, to go on. Like any creativity has a knock-on effect. You know, it's like go out and be creative is always the kind of call and response thing. You know, you're asked to essentially engage in that creativity. And like the lovely thing about storytelling is it's so easy to pass it on and fun. Like, you know, with, you know, picking up the fiddle and the flute and the guitar and the, everything it takes requirement, it takes practice, it takes dedication, like any sport, any training. Stories, you can just go off and try it. 
you know, and experiment with it. Mess it up completely. But it's like you've the ingredients. You betcha it'll be good. Like. <laughs> Instant gratification. That's the one. It's like, okay, I only need to remember four things and I can tell this story. That's what, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell, tell four things. And you get three of them and you freak out. <laughs> and then somebody says, that's great. But what happened next? And you just make something up and everyone says, that's brilliant. And you're like, whoa, I did it. <laughs> oh, that was a close one. That was a close one. <laughs> so I know for a simpler story the next time. You had a good, you good crack with um, doing the voices on this episode, by the way. I have to applaud your efforts. I thought they were great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, re you replaced mine because mine were shit. <laughs> There's too much background noise in the recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Let's sure. go with that. Um, yeah, I, I heard the music. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> I, I quite like, I, yeah, ever since I was a kid, I used to always do voices. And um, did you ever see Police Academy? Yes. Do you remember your man with this, like, Motor Mouth Jones with the jukebox and all? Like, I was obsessed oh, with that. Obsessed. It was my uh, favourite when I was a kid. Uh, so I spent just, I don't know how many years, just making funny voices and annoying people all the time. Class. So yeah, that comes in handy when you have to throw a few into a podcast. Yes, very good. good. Very good. Um, um, podcast? So we have a few people saying hello. Jasper and Kira. Uh, yeah. How's it going, lads? Hey, guys. Um, thanks for having me. Shall we, shall we talk a little bit about Conor Amore? Should we? Yeah, I think we should probably. Should we should? Will we? Yeah, yeah. Um, I need to get a drink of water. Um, right. I have one more thing to say about the, the base. I never answered that question. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was it. when we were back onto the the levels of sound. So you've got you know bass, vocal. You know the bass is almost always under the vocal. Unless you got a real baritone voice. Yeah. But anyway, you see, you always kind of so you keep the bass here, and that's lovely, and it just sits there, and that's that's what I kind of use as the pulse, the rhythm of the story, and. Unlike music, it won't necessarily, it usually stays at the same beat, but it might waver up and down a couple of BPM, but nothing drastically. But, but how, how I express intensity is I'll actually play it louder or like harder or softer. So it was come, but again, keeping the volume at the same level, so you just get this intense mm. build up and, and like swab and flow, which is how the story works. Mm. <laughs> so that was the bass. Um, and then yeah. everything else is just flowed on top of it in the space that's that's available. But you're like the way the podcast has gone now, and like you know, the feeling is very different anyway. When, when you tell a story to a live room, and when you tell it to nobody at all in the room, yeah, and then the, result, the, the music completely changes because the listenership yeah. changes. You know, you're you're on your own listening to it. You're not in a crowd. You're not having that shared consciousness thing. You're not having that connectivity, that bigness of it, and so it's all a lot more intimate. And it's so a much smaller sound. And I remember we had those conversations at the beginning, like when we were putting the podcast together, of like, you know, the the inclination is to go presenter. Oh, I'm present. Hello, everybody. And it's like, no, when you're listening to a podcast, you're listening to a voice in your ear, and it's as intimate as a phone call. Like it's 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 as immediate as that. And like, I know I, this was definitely my favorite podcast are the ones where people are chatting and you feel like the silent person in an interesting conversation. And, you know, if you're me, you sometimes pause the podcast to say something because you feel that much like part of the conversation. And you're like, you got that wrong. I think you'll find Mr. Expert in a podcast. Um, <laughs> and, you know, 
that's that's part of the reason we're doing the live streams on YouTube as well is to give people an opportunity if they hear us talking about stuff to go and have you considered this and to write in and people do and people often do and it's lovely because it's 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 a new thing for us every time as well because like we we've retold loads of stories and each time we retell them if I hear you telling it, it's more interesting because you've added something or found something out or likewise with you and, and we've, we've constantly kind of done that. But this time around, usually it's like, oh, that's what Oshin put on the sound. Oh, that's cool. That's a lovely little take. Rue gives us a bit of feedback as well. Oh, yeah, that's nice. That's kind yeah. of good. There's a bit of a mistake. Cool. And I'm like, it's interesting to hear and find it every week. So I look forward to these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I should mention my hair. Thanks, Kira. Uh, Kira got experimental. Uh, I don't always go around looking this fabulous, but um, <laughs> I look pretty fucking fabulous. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the... I, I think it should be your new look. <sighs> yeah, if I could just get it done all the time. Yeah. Not... You get, get streaks in and then you can have like different colors and stuff. <laughs> I already have an accidental balayage, apparently. Well, there you uh, go. <laughs> balayage. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. 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 Natural. So, the story, if you want to do a known, or if you didn't know, the Madeira and Pain story, it was a live show that we did in uh, Whelan's. We released relatively recently. We released the, that, I think, around February. It's around. It's somewhere around episode 31 or 32. There's um, there's three podcasts that were recorded live in Whelan's. I think it was you and Rue telling the stories. Yeah, yeah, it um, was. So I think they were recorded in February, actually, because I think that was the month that I was taking a break. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hindsight and uh, yeah I know uh, but yeah that that was one of the stories um, and it is connected to this one um, if you want to go back and listen to it I don't I don't remember actually did you do the terrible ending in that I didn't I don't agree did you never do the terrible ending you... no they did didn't I? they didn't what a missed opportunity what a terrible missed opportunity yeah. Aaron is sprinkling his magic like romanticising fairy dust over the myths again and just taking out the ugly stuff Look at all the happy faces. Oh, yeah. here comes the horror. <laughs> you don't have my instinct to just like see the happy faces and just turn them all inside out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I don't. It's like that's salad when that's when they're nice and soft bellied and you can really get in there and rip their hearts out, man. Stop that. Stop that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I regret coming oh. over. <laughs> The Uritain is basically an introduction to Conor Amour. For there's a link to it. Uh, Medir, uh, uh, the king at the start of the story is married to Athene, and a fairy lad named Medir comes along and takes her away. Um, so one thing leads to another. He has well, another. <laughs> I feel like. No one thing needs to another. No, no, no. Madeira Detain is a famous Irish love story about two fairy lovers who are like joined together for eternity, even though he's a big cheating scumbag on his wife, who's in the right, by the way. And uh, at the end of the Madeira Detain story, Madeira is reborn as a mortal woman and Madeira, her fairy lover, reclaims her from where she is in the mortal world, which is married to the High King. Seven years... Later, the High King, who has lost Attain, has spent seven years digging up fairy mounds and he finally finds the escaped lovers. Midir appears to him and says, if you can pick Attain out of a crowd of 50 women, you can have her back. And 50 identical women appear. 
and the high king of Ireland chooses Etain by the way she pours wine, takes her home, takes her to bed, and a year later, when she is in her confinement giving birth to their child together, Midir appears to him and informs him that the, the Etain that he chose was his and Etain's daughter, named after her mother and raised in the other world. And he has had an incestuous relationship with his own daughter for the past year. And so he's so horrified by this that he rejects the child. And he tells his soldiers to take the child of this incestuous union and throw her in a well. And that child is the mother of Conor Amor. That child is Mesbuchava. Yeah, I mean, like, it, I, it's a fucking amazing story. It's like, oh, well, I'm like, why would you deprive people of this shit? It's so mad. It also it's so dark. What'd you say? It makes, it makes the intro, yeah. It makes the intro make a lot more sense. Oh, totally. When you hear the king as gutted and sick and as disgusted as he is, it makes sense. I agree. It makes sense. I, you know, I, I fucking agree. You know, we worked on that. King boys together. It was, it was that was the direction he was disgusted. So I just I, that time I chose not to give that story. But luckily we have another chance to tell that story as a podcast in February when everyone's telling love stories. Yeah, no, I look forward to that. That is kind of one of my favorite things to do in February is tell that story with the ending because you know. Yeah, or any Irish love stories. Yeah, well, uh, all of them <laughs> except the Dream of Angus Oak end horribly. So. Not convinced that's a happy ending. That's not a happy ending. I mean, they're they're cursed eternally to be swans, but you know, they're together, so yeah. Forever. Yeah. (laughs) Forever. Yeah, to be fair, to some people, the idea of spending eternity with another person is its own version of hell. Um, But but that's that's why we need Aaron pushing. That's why we need Aaron to be the romantic and kind of. Loads of other lovely people who probably want to hear a lovely story and not always having to turn up in miserable nastiness. I came back from tearing it out because it was too perfect. Light and bright. It's all about balance, guys. It's all about balance. I'll be the balance. Um, so anyway, that's the start of the Madeira uh, or the Mesbukula thing. She meets question. Yeah, trying to move it on. <laughs> no, no. What's the question? Who did the Tain want to be with? Or does anyone even care? She chose Madeira. That's right. not in the original myth. No. She's not given a huge amount of agency in the original myth. Right. She chose it. Read between the well, lines. She was. Oh, re- oh. <laughs> oh, you can you can read a different way between those lines, Mister Romance. <laughs> she gets she the this the the way the story goes is that once she kisses Madeir, she remembers their previous lifetime together, and the two of them float out the window together. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. there is implied consent, I guess. I'm not sure how on board she was with giving her daughter over to Okiarum. Yeah, they seem to be just, they were kind of disposable back then. It's, oh, we've got it's a problem. Real... Here's a child, we'll throw a child at it. 
Yeah, here, take a hostage, oh take a daughter, take a, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, Wait, it, 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 got her, it got her ex-husband off her back, maybe that's what she wanted. Sure. It's, not, it's never actually addressed. And, and like, again, like, like so many of the, like, good characters in Irish mythology, the moral shades here are, get real dark. Because like Midir and Atain are supposed to be these wonderful lovers. They start off by cheating on his wife. He ends yeah. up killing his wife, who gets rid of Atain, her, her rival, which a lot of people would think was actually a pretty reasonable reaction. <laughs> and, sure. and That's then they, romantic. Yeah. But like, the, and then Midir, Midir very, very deliberately does this. Oki Aram, he also could have left Oki Aram in blissful ignorance for the rest of his life. But he oh, decided. Yeah, no. You know that's a bit of a dick move. But that's, oh. <laughs> that's how you know it's Irish. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Um, anyway, I think we'll talk about Madeira and Hussein when we, when we when reach we talk out about Madeira and that, That's fine. So we, we, let's get on with Conor and Moore, which is the post-show discussion of this podcast. Um, <laughs> Mesbugla is given a very strange home for a while. And I don't quite understand this one, actually. Uh, the Bird King flies in because... She's been given a home built with no doors uh, and half a roof and left on her own. Like that, would she not have died? Well, <laughs> she probably would have died of exposure, to be fair. But like the idea behind it is kind of interesting because it's, it's a way of... She's the cowherd's fosterling and the cowherds are the people who take her in. And they know that she's marked for death. So their their way of their the way they decide to try and protect the child is to raise her in confinement but they don't want her to feel confined so that's why they leave the roof off that's why they leave part of the roof off so that she can see the sky so that she's not locked up in darkness because the whole thing with the with the no doors and no windows is so that like so that the king doesn't find her because he tried to kill her when she was a baby and so presumably he will still try and kill her now it turns out, as is usually the way in Irish mythology, it doesn't it doesn't work. But like it's kind of it's very similar to stories, I think later stories of of you know princesses being locked in towers. It's that kind of idea of being put somewhere away from the rest of the world for protection. But mm. I guess the symbology of it is that they're trying to make it feel like it's not a prison. I like you think of think of the story of uh, of Ethelin from Irish mythology as well. She's put in a tower made of glass, and it's that same kind of thing of like she can see out, but she can't go anywhere. So I think there's a kind of an idea, and I, it's just kind of an interesting little thread in Irish mythology that like, as long as you can see the sky, you're not truly confined. You know, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it'd be cold as fuck, like, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure. It was, it was pretty lovely. I mean, I have seen Airbnbs, but like no roof. Uh, so obviously, you know, windows, but we're like, oh, that's cool. We'd they didn't have glass early. back in those days. Um, Think about a house back then though. Like yeah. it was the window that size. Mm. And they probably had a big lump out of the roof so you could have a fire lit anyway. So, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, they, they, they blocked up one tiny window and <laughs> like opened the slight bit more. <laughs> you could try yeah. Do you know so. what actually probably think of it as like she probably had like a it, it was probably kind of a yard like she probably had an enclosed house and then she had a little yard that had like high fences around it oh yeah you know like it's not it's not 
not too mental, but like, it is, you know, also houses not super comfortable back in those days. Nobody in Ireland built with stone. They were all wattle and daub. So they were all kind of a woven reed thing with like mud plastering. Um, oh, so warm. Warmish. Like, no. So the bird king comes down. Who's the bird king? Who is this guy? I read it and I just implied it was like, oh, I guess this is Madeline McClear. Didn't know he was a bird. Not Madeline McClear? Not. <laughs> I mean, it's not ever actually explained who he is. Right. Um, he's, he's some kind of king of the birds. There's like, there are kings of different animals that like turn up in Irish mythology and folklore. The king of cats is the other big one that turns yep. up in a few different stories and is associated with the hill of, uh, I can't, I can never remember if it's Nowth or Douth. One of the megalithic tombs in Newgrange is, is very associated with the king of cats. And there's, there's a number of different stories. There's one folktale that we like telling a lot, but there's a few other ones as well. Um, yeah. and this guy seems to be the king of birds. I guess he could be Mananon, but like he's he's a right. bird king who wears a cloak of feathers, yeah, and terrible. turns into a bird, which is pretty cool. And it's, it kind of has kind of sort of shamanic resonances there as well, like you know, wearing the animal to become the animal. Is he like a, is is, he, is is the bird king a Tua de Danon, or is it another entity altogether? Then, or do we not? Is that we don't know? Presumably, like again, presumably that's kind of how I shape to put in it's, it's a very interesting kind of like mental meandering i don't have the answer to this at all but like if the, the two of them were the, the last kind of magical race of beings on in ireland in era when they went under oh, a hill hang on. Oh, well, okay so I, I have a i have a a, a dis, i have a fundamental disagreement with the idea of magical races in irish mythology because oh. like the sons of mill arrive to Ireland and they are the race. and they are the ancestors of the people today and they can do magic. Right. So yeah. like there is there is not this separation of magical people and non-magical people. Oh everybody's magical. Like not absolutely everybody is magical, but it's not a racial ability. It is not an ability that is connected to your bloodline. What about certain magical powers like shape shifting? I disagree with that. Like, I, not fun. Yeah, like I disagree with that because it, c it comes up in this story a couple of times. Uh, even like the, the, having the blood of the eternal flowing through your veins is what I mentioned, and it's kind of a poetic mm. flippancy. But it's also like it's that race thing. It's what the Fina said in uh, to one of the kings in the Battle of Entry. Like they have the Fianna have the blood of us, the two of the Danon running through their veins. So they convinced the two of the Danon, the magical beings, to come and fight with them for them. So like, there like, is a separation between. There's, I, 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 I disagree. Like there's definitely, certainly having the blood of the two of the Danon. And it's like, it's not even the blood of the two of the Danon, it's any mixed blood. It's any mixed blood that seems to give a huge amount of power. Because if you think of the two of the Danon and like Lou and Ogma and some of those great heroes of the Didanon and Bress on the kind of less uh, wholesome side, they're all mixed between two of the Danon and Fomorian. Yeah. Okay. And like there's definitely something with the mixing of two of the Danon and Malaysian blood or, or Celtic blood that yeah, also yeah, confers a certain kind of, of, of power. But like, this notion that it's it's like 
yeah, I just, I don't, I don't see evidence for that in the stories that there is like, uh, that you have to be related because where did Amergan come from? Amergan came from Spain. He's the grandson of Mill and he sings a poem to Ireland as the sons of Mill are landing that calms the storm and allows them to land. He's profoundly magical and it's him. It's not his, it's, it's his connection to nature. And so I think this is a real, like, I think it's a really interesting way of looking at the stories because it's a much more inclusive way of looking at the stories. Because if it's about the individual and not about the race or the heritage, then anybody can be magical. And it's about themselves and it's about their own connection. With I the agree fundamentally what you're saying and the ideology of it is beautiful and, and, and poetic even. I, I can explain and allow for that explanation alongside kind of going, yeah, Amorgan got magic off the wind. He, he was there with it. He was all connected to it. He created the magic that defeated the, the, all of the Tuited Island spell on the waves. I get that. And yet I also know that like the two are feel like the two of the Dan and, and previously before them, it was the fear bullock who are connected to them by the Nemedians who came from Spain and are the black. Anyway, um, where? They came from Scythia. The Nemedians came from Scythia, the Isle of the Dead. The there you go. And then before them, you've Pathlon, and then, and then you've Kesser, and that's it, I'll stop. But like, so you've all of them, right? And they're, they're, they're time after time, but of course, they're one and the same. There's the lineage of, you know, that's one of the things, it's just a lineage of mad people doing mad shit with magic thrown in the mix. And gradually, after time goes by, enough time kind of separates the magic realm of when these mountains were made and when the creatures were bigger and when the magic was in the, in the air and the time has gone on now where people have become more and more disconnected and away from that magic. But you can, you can view that as, and I think it, like that's, that's also a question of, of perspective because you can view that as like an inherent quality of time or technology that we are getting further and further away or you can view that as like symptomatic of a disconnection that we can reconnect to. And I think if you, if you take the kind of view that this is to do with, you know, an inherent quality of our blood or an inherent quality that we, like, we don't have any control over that. Sure. Um, we don't have any control over, over, you know, if we're part to it, Adanin or not. Uh, but we do have control over, do we want to reconnect with, with nature and with uh, mystery and with power? And is there something to be found within that? And I just, perf I like, I think that's a more interesting yeah, no, perspective to have that I can also find evidence for. Oshin, you wanted to say something. What if the magic changes? So over, over time throughout the stories, the different types of magic that they have changed depending on what was happening. So at the start, there's loads of chaos magic and a lot of shape-shifting going on. Um, but then kind of by the time you get to Fiona and Athena, there's some very specific powers that each of them would have. And then you have, say, your far, 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 far dirt, 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 uh, you know, the dark, the dark man. Mm -hmm. the far dark, yeah, the far dark, the guy who. Yeah, so, and they're kind of and they have some, they can kind of go through realms, but Quincy can go through realms. But then you flash forward to modern days, like, so, like, you're looking around going, oh, where's all the magic? And again, we're sitting here on a Zoom call, live streaming to whoever in the world wants to watch it. 
and somebody thought of how to do this, you know, that's pretty, that, the, yeah, like, where, where, you know, if you're sitting there banging two rocks together. <laughs> and, shape-shifting in between being a, a yeah, bird. Shape-shifting in between. You're probably not have time to and then all this yeah, shit. Yeah, then shape shift. Yeah, <laughs> sort of telepathically talk. But then all of a sudden, oh, hang on. Let's make this for everybody. Figure out how to make the magic accessible to everybody in all our world. And right? just I just think, like, yeah, no, I, I, I just... I like that. It's partly, for me, it's also partly a choice of like, what kind of stories do I want to tell? And what's the, what's the perspective of the stories? And I don't like. Sure. And I've never liked the idea of your heritage is what makes you special. Like that's, that's the logic of European monarchy. That's the logic of like, you know, racial supremacy. That's, and, and I don't fucking like it. No, and I mean, and so that's, and I, I, I know me. that I'm also argue like it is a very biased argument, no, and then I'm starting with my conclusion and going, this is why I think this. Sure, and you can't get away from the potential of having a racial uh, thought or a kind of a bias as soon as you bring in uh, a race, the word race. So that's that is a fair point. Uh, I, I do, however, I, I kind of. I like, I like a level of tribalism. Like it's kind of healthy, a bit of it, you know. And like it's good to kind of celebrate your own little tribe and that other little tribe and the differences between us. And around the borders is where it gets interesting, you know, in everything in nature and in, in, in us in, in what the stories tell us about the two magical races mixing with each other on the edges. New, new, and yeah, there's different, there's different cultures, but it can all mix. And like I think, and I the like power I like, is in the mixing. Absolutely. And I like, I like staying on the edge of that, like, oh, I mentioned a race here. This could be uh, brought into being biased and negative, and, that, and that's a propelling a story of uh, separation. And, and, you know, that's not what I want to be telling right now. Or I like to stay on the fence and go, no, 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 that's not what I want to be telling. What I want, what I want to tell is how that when we mix, it's better. When we continually actually keep the culture of magic alive within smaller groups that you get really connected to, you get connected to the ground through you, you belong to a, a community and a, and a tribe that tell each other stories, that tell each other everything that's going on in their lives. Um, and, and, you know, you have a good level of communication between your own little tribe, and then you get to mix that and learn from it. So, like, I guess it's about being more specific with the story you want to tell, although I do accept your point. <laughs> There's another thing... <laughs> There's another thing that um, actually is very prominent in Irish mythology, and it seems to be in relation to all of this, which is there's no inherited power. Yeah. So it makes sense that you don't inherit magic if you don't inherit wealth, if you don't inherit, you know, titles, if you don't inherit leadership. It's yeah. not, you know, you're not born with a right, you, you know. You're, you're, not, you're not born with inherent rights. You do anything. You got to earn it all. So which, you know, actually, you have to the chance to earn, but that's it. Which brings us on to the next I, point in Connor in, in the story of Connor Moore, which is how he becomes the king. Because like it's and again it's 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 complicated because it's like you do have to be the son of a king in order to be like eligible. A claim. So yeah. It's both because you have to have some relationship to power. Uh, it's not it's not wide open to everybody. But yeah, the the thing, the way that they're chosen in this story is really interesting because it's actually ritualized and they they actually describe the ritual, which is kind of cool because a lot of times in Irish mythology, they really don't. 
really don't. You're like, was it just mushrooms? <laughs> yeah. Well, the shocking thing in this one is that it involves both bull's blood and drunkenness because it's it's about sacrificing a bull, drinking the blood of the bull, and then getting drunk on the bull, on the bull blood. Basically, getting absolutely off your face on bull blood. Like my yeah, that one. Oh, that one's gonna leave you with a weird like, morning. You know, we eat blood in this country. We definitely eat pig blood, black pudding. Anybody who thinks it's disgusting hasn't tried it, frankly. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, <laughs> whatever. Uh, don't eat it anymore. Used to, used to eat a lot of it. Um, yeah, good anyway. stuff. So, yeah, th this is a weird ritual, but also, um, I guess it, it's, it's symbolic of, of rituals of, of choosing leadership. Like, there's obviously some form of recognition that it's a fucking important and very hard task and one of the biggest amounts of fuck up can happen after if we don't do it properly uh, you know so let's ritualize it it's interesting yeah. to see that and i also think there's a really the really interesting thing in this is that we talk a lot about rights particularly in modern day and particularly with how unequally distributed rights are but this does not at any point talk about the rights of the king this is all about the responsibilities and the restraints on the king, hmm. which is a really, which I think is a very interesting way at look, of looking at power and looking at this whole question of rights is like, you know, a, a more maybe holistic and systemic way of looking at like, you know, what, it's, it's less about what do I deserve and it's more about what are my responsibilities to others. And from that perspective when you're in the highest office in the land and you have the most power in the land you have the most constraints on you mm. because here's the guy who can't stay away from home well hang on one sec one sec let's, let's, let's just have a quick recap of of, of the, the story here because i'm aware that like to just click us back into the story from last week connor is born and where we are in the story is what we're talking about uh connor is born he'd be he, he comes king after the bull feast and that's basically but, great. The problem is he's given all these gesh. And it's a really interesting thing to, to see in the story exactly what you're, what you're talking about, Zerka, the representation of the constrictions over leadership. You can't do this, 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 you can't do this. And, and, and he's given the gasa before he becomes king. Yeah. Like he... He meets he meets his true father, um, who's not the father that he thinks he has. He meets the bird king, who who basically tells him, "You're going to be king if you follow these rules." And the first rule is, "Get your kid off and walk back home." I always read that he didn't meet meet his father. I I, I heard the version where he just meets a bird who's like, "Your dad's the king, dude. Did you not know that?" He's like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck are you throwing stones at me for? You man, like, wait till I tell you that. <laughs> so, but yeah, either way, he finds out he's a son of a bird king. Yeah, and he gets and the gas. He gets the gas at first, so like the responsibilities become come before the rights. Um. Yes. Sorry. Oh, was distracting me because he's trying to make up my, his mind whether or not he'll sit down and watch me <laughs> corner or sit down and join us in the live stream. I guess he's yeah. going for option B. Um, <laughs> no, no. The gentleman ah, the the part of the conversation. There you go. Yeah. yeah so like, I had a problem with this. 
<laughs> oh yeah, go on. Don't tell me to load the rules after I've broken it. No. <laughs> Too late. Sorry. You know, I don't care. You tell me the rules. First of all, you tell me the rules up front, then I have to agree to the rules. Otherwise, no deal. You're referring to the fact that he throws a stone at the bird. The bird turns around and goes, you a gesh on you, saying not to throw stones at birds. Like, what? I didn't know that. I can't be told that after the fact. Yeah. That's not allowed. Like, how, like, see, this gets back to the sneaky gesh thing. You can, like, gesh people behind their back and then, like, just watch all the horrible stuff happen to them. Yeah. So, yeah. Sure. But so this is like he's given the all these constrictions, as you call them, Soraka, to his leadership, which just seem completely batshit crazy. And I guess they do represent what other constrictions are and limitations and difficulties that are with, along with being a ruler and being a leader of any situation. And like he 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 breaks a lot of them kind of inadvertently. Because like it, it becomes this thing where sort of fate takes over and he, he loses control of the situation. Um, which is really interesting because they, they actually, it's less of a break all of these things and you're doomed and more of a break one of these things and you start a snowball effect that you can't stop. And once, that's, once that is kind of activated, he keeps breaking gesh after gesh after gesh after gesh. And he's trying to stop it. He's trying to break out of it. And he can't. Which mm. is a really interesting thing because then you get this whole thing of like the other world is like an instrument of fate that you cannot actually argue with and you can't actually stop. But it, it, this, is the, this is the really interesting point in this podcast. I think it's like the one thing that he does at the very start of that sets it off. And that's yeah. like, that's the kind of, it's a simple enough symbolism of like, if you go against your character or your utter duty, if you do that thing that you know you sh absolutely shouldn't do, it, it's just not worth it because everything is going to probably gonna fall apart. And this just is that representation of it, like yeah. literally falling apart. And that is yeah. trusting, giving his brothers, you know, letting his brothers off the hook. Letting, uh, letting his foster brothers off. He has three foster brothers who he loves so much that the four of them eat off one plate like that they do everything together and he he doesn't execute them he executes everybody else but he doesn't execute them when it comes to the time of passing down a sentence he favors his own family above the law yeah but he also gave them his gifts so he took them yeah, yeah including the judgment one which he probably should have used before he gave it away in fairness yeah, I didn't yeah. really like it, the whole thing seems like as soon as he threw the stone at the bird, that was it. He was doomed. That's I it. Don't, Game over. I don't think he was doomed at that point. First guess, snowball effect, his final destination. He can't get out. His brain's <laughs> coming. Yeah, I, that is. I, I don't know. I don't think he's doomed. I don't think he's doomed from the bird from throwing the stone at the bird because he's not the king yet at that point. Like the bird tells him how to become king. Yeah, which leads to his ultimate doom. But he, that, and, that, but he has a choice. He has a choice in that moment. He has a choice on whether he wants to be the king or not. And he decides he does want to be the king. And then he's given the gasa as a like, well, if you're going to be the king, these are the rules you have to follow. And if you follow these rules, your reign will be prosperous. Yeah. And, and then, then like, so there's, there's a certain amount of like, there's a certain amount of agency in this where it's like, okay, you now have 
you now have these constraints on you. And yeah. Like, that, that for me is kind of like, is forgetting about that thing of like, does he want, like, I, I, again, I didn't clock that, but like going, oh, do you want that responsibility to be king? Because that's a fucking big question. You just automatically assume, oh yeah, he wants to be king. He wants to be leader. He wants to be leader. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> that's a lot. It's a lot to take away. It's an interesting one. It's an interesting one to do because I've done this in like, we've done this in the Bard a couple of times, um, at Bard Mythologies School out in Clare Island. Like we've looked at King stories, um, looked at King stories one year out there, four King stories. One of them was Conor Amore the first year I was out there. And like, if you're in a group of people and you decide to like, kind of play out some of the themes in the story, That's most cool. people in the room will not say, yes, I want to be King. Yeah, like absolutely. actually very few people will go yeah i want to i want to run this which is really yeah. interesting because especially with irish people you think we're all such armchair experts on how everything should be run but when you actually yeah. put it to people and go well do you want to be in charge of everything most people go no <laughs> no no jeez no no like, I, I don't, I don't want that because it, <laughs> because it's that responsibility thing because if you're in charge then everything is your fault mm-hmm. so i have another question now on this whole thing who is the king after Conor Amor? That's a good question that I do not know the answer to. Yeah. But, but also, now I see the man in on the connection, which is that like the whole story looks like this guy was set up to be a lesson to the rest of the world. Yeah. Well, yeah. This is, this, here, here is a platter with everything on it. All you have to do is follow these rules and you will make everything better for everybody. Yeah, and then he didn't. Well, also because he was a human, emotional, like it was yeah. a, for his brothers. Was but that's the, doing. But that's what these stories are, and this is like our last story in, in our King series. And these yeah. King series have been a really interesting look at what it is to be a leader and the lessons of taking leadership and and using it well. And and how Niall used it last last week, and how the woman King Maeve's used it the year before. The lessons and the the psychological problems, the issues these people have, the carry-on effect of their large actions. When you have a responsibility of authority over somebody, you more of responsibility because it's wider when you're a leader. And it's just it's just constantly showing that. So these stories are, are that set list of lessons that you're supposed to tell people before being a leader, in a way. In, in a culture. way. Like, and, and they're kind of, a lot of them have that sort of element of being a bit of a, a cautionary tale. And I agree with you, Oshin. I do think that the Conor Moore story is mostly a cautionary tale because it's mostly a what not to do story yeah. and how not to do it story. Like if you go back to episode 30 of this podcast, you, you'd hear the, you'll hear the, the Cormac McGart episode. Yeah. Who is one of the high kings who kind of does the best, I guess. And he's another one of those semi-historical figures who's like right on the cusp of, um, you know, history. Uh, but, you know, there's a whole story of him being brought to the other world by Mananon McLear to learn wisdom, um, which is a kind of another one of these like Mananon turning up as like kingmaker um, moments where he crops up to teach kings how to do it. But like, yeah, Cormac McGart, is, uh, or sorry, Conor Amore is, is um, he's a lad where it all goes wrong. And I think that's an interesting thing in mythology as well, because like if they were all stories about people doing the right thing and everything's fine, they're not very good stories. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 
Oh, and everybody was much more dramatic when the whole countryside is on fire and there's raiders and, and there's like a hag somehow, and then everybody's like, everyone's dead and beheaded in this pile. Well, especially this story is leading us straight into summer as well. Like, it's a great time to be telling it. I know we kind of messed up with not having Cormac McGarth in this series, but we did it already and we'll get to it again. Um, and we, it's there. It's there. It is it's there. there. We didn't mess up. Also, this like, podcast. Like, we, we've, we've planned all of our podcasts three years in advance <laughs> we, we, we clearly developed this show with our live shows and we were just like yeah we were make, mixing and matching and throwing stuff around at the start we're trying to get a little bit more series focused <laughs> with all this lockdown um, so like but it's leading us on to someone nicely because this end of this story is so visceral and mad and everybody's on fire and there's ghosts and ghouls and fae and creatures all over the place and the crooked creature of can't was it Kerna? Crooked Beast of Kerna. Yeah, Crooked Beast of Kerna. What was that? Like that was amazing. Mm -hmm. But that's that visual is just like crooked. Nah. Yeah. That, like, I love that one. I always love that another, one. It's just another one of those no things knows. in Irish mythology that is like not adequately explained at all. <laughs> and I love it for that reason. Bird King, who is he? Oh. Crooked Beast of Kerna. What is it? Why is it crooked? Oh, it reminds me of the um, the voyage of uh, Maeldun, where you have the 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 island of the revolving beast. Yeah, yeah. Which turns around inside of its own skin. Yeah. And like, why is it? What is it? Never yeah. explained. Never. Explained. Never explained. Um, but I think this is what wound us down because we'll be looking forward to sound, especially it's the time of storytelling. We're loving it because we just got a chance to tell live stories to kids about the puka and the uh, far darig and also uh, the jack-o'-lantern stories and there was lots of others uh, and we will be telling a series of stories coming out over sound as well and we got Let's not we jack little how are you to jack that is jacko nice. as we call him how are you jacko stingy jack, stingy jack. we'll be releasing two different stories and um, we'll be talking to possibly another special guest very soon as well uh, yes, we should have another special guest uh, podcast next week. Yeah. Ruth from Unreal. Well, as well, yes, next week, next episode rather, will be a release of a very special person. Stay tuned. Andreas de Stack. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> yeah, we'll have, a, we'll, we'll have a conversation with Andreas de Stack uh, next Sunday at this time in lieu of Spell our usual check on the name of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What'd you say, Eugene? Spell check on the name of that story. That's why I didn't upload it yet. <laughs> <laughs> Enough. Christian, uh, Christian. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find that out. Yeah, yeah. I can just about understand Hegarty. I can't. I can't quite translate the stack yet. <laughs> no, uh, we were very, very fortunate to be treated uh, a few a couple months ago now uh, by Andreas the Stack, uh, and we did a little home recording, and uh, we have a story coming in, com coming from him on the next episode on Wednesday. It was it was a very nice evening and it was a very nice day actually that we, yeah. we took off out west just to kind of uh, exercise a bit of lockdown fever when we had a little bit of a break from it. Although it's all back and forth and to and fro in Ireland at the moment so we don't know where we're going. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not well, regardless, it was a lovely, lovely day and lots of people start getting going with all the sewing stuff and uh, possibly linking up with that Puka Festival. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a big shout out there to Puka, in fairness, who, uh, yeah, Oshin, you want to mention what we're doing with Puka? 
Kind yeah, of. we're going to just throw a little bit of stuff together for Puka Festival next week, and um, hopefully we'll be able to see that coming out over the selling period. But also a suggestion, send us stories. Send us your local selling stories. Whatever the local spooky story that you hear or heard as a kid, send it into us. Great call. Because I love, I love stories. Like, so. we're, yeah. re- we're researching and finding loads at the moment. And, uh, Dukas. Yeah. Oh, Dukas yeah. is amazing, guys. If you don't know about Dukas, go on to Dukas and just, just look yeah. at and just see all these stories from ages ago. Kids wrote from asking their grannies it was, their parents. It was a fantastic uh, heritage folklore project where they got kids to, to ask their parents and grandparents stories and write them down. So they're like handwritten in little copy books. And they're so they're they're so good. There's such a wealth of stuff out, out there. And like it's um, fantastic. So yeah. Any teachers listen out there? Uh, like that's the thing to be doing. Like get those kids to learn, write them down, and find them out. Make, ah, make them the work. children do the hard labor. Good, good labor. Good child labor. Worthwhile child labor. Worthy cultural. Ch- I'm gonna stop saying it. it doesn't get better. It just sounds. I'm you, you know what? Whether you sound like a demon or not is all in is all in how you phrase it. <laughs> it's been a year. That time of year. Seven more years, Alan, and I'll be back. <laughs> Coming up to an hour, and it's been brilliant. It's been beautiful. Uh, we'll chat to you next week. And uh, thanks, Erica. Uh, thanks, Millie and Oshin, for jumping on. Thanks, guys, for tuning in as well. Thanks, guys. This podcast was produced and edited by Oshin Ryan. You can find out more about us on our website, candletales.ie. And for all our social medias, we are on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Candlelit Tales. For more videos and live streams, you can like and subscribe our Candlelit Tales YouTube channel, which now has a Candlelit Tales for Kids playlist. Hashtag Candlelit Tales. Go ahead and hit subscribe on the YouTube channel there. I'll just pause for a second or two to let you do that there now. Did you you do it, Jen? Anyway, liking and subscribing to our channel really helps us grow to get to more people. So if you like what we do, leave a review or like and share, whatever you want to do. Patreon.com forward slash Candlelit Tales is how you can help us uh, with a bit of monetary support or a one-time donation through the PayPal button on our website. Seriously, though, have you subscribed to the YouTube channel yet? We also do really like to hear back from you with questions or requests, so please get in touch and we'll get back to you whenever we can. Next episode is coming at you from Andreas the Stack. We're very excited to have a story from a non-Candlet Tales performer. Andreas is amazing. Wait till you hear his story coming up in the next episode and we'll be chatting about it with him in person, but recorded, so not in person, in the next episode. Stay tuned and until then, keep it candlelit. You. Way out across the Scanner Bay, out from the seaside town of Lahinch, tis said there's a sunken village under the sea. It's called the village of Kilchtefine.